Here's a hypothetical situation for you. What would you do if your boss or ministry leader announced they were asking everyone to sign a new document by the end of the month, or you would lose your job or position? And let's say it contained some vague or complicated language regarding restrictions you were agreeing to. What if by signing this, you were agreeing to a restriction that had no expiration date, a restriction you're supposed to abide by forever, even if you're no longer associated with this ministry or company. You're not an attorney and you don't know your rights and it's all confusing, but asking for clarification feels scary. What if it's not hypothetical? What if it's just another day at Ramsey Solutions? Melissa Hogan, attorney and fan favorite here at the Untangled Faith Podcast joins me today to talk about our understanding of new requirements for employees of Ramsey Solutions. Stay tuned. We're doing a deep dive that I think we will all benefit from. I'm Amy Fritz, and you're listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all that is not good or true, this is the place for you. Hey, listeners, I am so glad you're here for this conversation Over the last several weeks, I've heard from several sources that this month, leadership at Ramsey Solutions shared with their employees a document that they are requiring everyone to sign in order to keep their jobs. Many of us who have become aware of this were immediately concerned and grieved for what this would mean for current employees. The more details we became aware of, the more alarmed we became. So I asked Melissa if she would be willing to put on her attorney hat and join me for a conversation about these new policies and what they mean for those who sign them. Before we get started, though, I want to state something that Melissa reiterates in this audio, that this conversation does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listeners and Melissa, and it shouldn't be taken as official legal advice. This is for educational purposes only. All right, with that, let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, Melissa Hogan. You are a fan favorite. Um, Somebody, I did a survey recently and somebody put a suggestion that I have like a special podcast thing that I do. It's like legal opinions or analysis with Melissa. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, I think it would be fun. I wanted to have this conversation because... We have heard from several sources that Ramsey Solutions has asked their employees to sign something, and I'm not sure what they're calling it, whether it's a contract, a policy, um, some sort of document that really governs certain things about their employment and some things that outlast their employment. You, I know you love to research things. I think this is going to be a helpful conversation. Well, and I think it's important to note too that The reason that we have a number of sources on this is that there are people who have seen this, who have said something is not right here Mm -hmm. and, and not just something is not right, but there's a lot of things wrong. You know, our understanding is there are people who have already resigned uh, because of this new set of policies or or contracts and more may, we don't know, but first I want to say, I mean, as an attorney, Everything I'm going to say here is not legal advice um, to anyone. It's educational. This does not create an attorney-client relationship, but even more so that, you know, we're going to be talking about some of the legal issues, but really in the context here, when we're talking about a company like Ramsey Solutions that puts itself in the marketplace and holds itself out as a Christian company or followers of Jesus, we're going to talk about the legal implications, but really the practical, ethical, and the spiritual issues yeah. surrounding some of these policies. And I'm going to be as frank as I can possibly be, and maybe yeah. even more frank than I have ever been before, because this issue has weighed on my heart. Yeah, It has grieved me terribly um, for people that are there and for the choices being made. I mean, this wasn't just like something we just decided to talk about today. Um, We've been praying about it. Nobody is persecuting Ramsey Solutions or Dave Ramsey or his family, much less Christians by looking at these issues. This is about 
for me and I know for you, this is about living out our testimony of followers of Jesus for, you know, calling fellow brothers and sisters to account and also protecting other people, fellow believers who work there, people that use their products or admire some of their good efforts. You know, it is about protecting people and shining a light in the darkness. In fact, this morning I was reading and I often have said and quoted before Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. And it says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth testing what is pleasing the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so what we're going to talk about are things that are keeping things in the dark, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I don't know that you could look at a lot of these provisions and say, Jesus would be happy because this stuff. Yeah. Ramsey's legal name, the Ramsey organization is the Lampo group, which Dave has said is the Greek word for light at one point, at least I don't know if this has changed, like the LLC that owned the property that they're on, their current property that the business is at, their building was named this, the Bible verse that comes from like the light on a hill, Matthew, whatever the verse is, like that was the legal LLC name. And so it is ironic that it really looks like there is an attempt to not shine light and to like yeah. keep the light out of this, this business and, you know, in a, a really broad and restrictive way. And not just light, you know, they use the phrase freedom, mm-hmm. you know, financial freedom, financial peace. And I was reading today, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. And, you know, what these provisions do is put a cloak of darkness and they bind people. They restrict their freedom in ways that are I believe ethically questionable and spiritually wrong. And this is not about, about freedom for anyone. This is about constraining and binding people. I just, I want to ask this, are you coming as somebody who just wants to like, you're angry at Dave, can't stand him. You can't stand the organization and you're bitter because you know, all they've done to you. I speak out of my love for people who work at Ramsey Solutions some of whom I consider my friends. And yes, even even love for Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, and their, their kids who work yeah. at the company. You know, when we see something that is rotten happening and we just walk on by and ignore it, that isn't love either. Right, right. You know, when, when I went into Ramsey Solutions in December of 2018, uh, with the knowledge that I had of some things that were deeply, deeply wrong, that was out of a, a deep love for my husband's soul and a respect yeah. for the company. Um, you know, I placed our entire family at risk, our, our income stream, our basically our house, my son's medical care, because yeah. I had prayed and knew that was the right thing to do. But even after what Dave has done to me, you know, he lied about me and violated my privacy to a thousand people. Mm-hmm. He sent a lawyer to lie in court sent board members to lie about Mm -hmm. me and get me under a gag order. He has called me a world-class bitch in emails and then affirmed it in his deposition. Yeah, Um, Being under a gag order for seven months, you know, partially due to their choices. I understand in some ways uniquely what it's going to feel like for some of these employees to be bound and silenced. And I would not be following where... I believe Jesus calls me to walk, to not speak up and say on behalf of those people, but also to Dave, that this is wrong. Yeah, This is wrong what you are doing. And this is not following Jesus to bind and silence people, whether that's out of fear, whether that's out of anger, I don't know, but it is wrong. And I would not be a fellow believer to him to not call that out and say that. It's heavy. It feels really heavy. Um, and so we're kind of balancing, you know, the idea that we feel this, we have this real personal heaviness over it, but also want to talk about real specifically about what you have seen by looking at different laws and you're not an employment lawyer, but there are resources out there that you have spent some hours looking at. 
And so what assumptions are we working under as we get into this? What we we believe we're working with is uh, an agreement that deals with a number of different areas that we'll kind of walk through. And, you know, hopefully this can explain it better and explain, you know, rights in some ways to people who may not understand what this is about or may not understand why it's important or who may think, oh, well, that'll, that will never affect me or who think, oh, this is normal in the business marketplace. Yeah. Some of this is uh, typical or that you might see in the business marketplace. Some of this should never exist in the Christian sphere ever. Yeah. Um, some of this is abnormal even for a typical business. or And some of this is very abnormal to be applied across the board to many employees. So yeah. what we're looking at are provisions related to um, intellectual property, um, non-disparagement, the core values, talking about the core values of the company, non-solicitation of customers, um, non-solicitation and non-hiring of employees or former employees and forced arbitration. It seems to be a situation where they've looked at, oh goodness, here are the areas where we are getting burned by everything since 2018, the lawsuits that have happened, the discovery that is happening in those lawsuits, um, things that, that you and I and others have spoken out about. And they are saying, how can we bind and silence our employees so this never happens again? And that's why I say this is out of fear because there's some here that are very particularly, and we'll get into those responsive to things that have happened yeah. uh, in the last couple of years. So generally, if we look at these provisions, you know, you you can look at them overarchingly, and then you can look at them individually and look at the the challenges and problems and the the spiritual and ethical problems with them. So mm-hmm. generally, this agreement is being proposed to these employees in an environment that already exists with fear. If people read Glassdoor reviews, yeah. um, a lot of people talk about the environment of fear that exists. You're, you know, you're, there's not an environment where you feel free to give honest feedback for fear that that you will be ostracized, you will be fired. That it's not an open environment. You know, one of the things our understanding with this agreement is that there there wasn't a reasonable way to take it to a lawyer. Our understanding is that it once you sign it, it disappears. Yeah. Yeah. When my husband worked there, they signed policies using like a a program like DocuSign or something. So there was like a digital and you would like digitally sign this and then it would be, you could go back in and look at the policies and things that you had signed. Your documents were there. We are starting to hear that that may not be the case with this, that people sign it and it is no longer available to even be looked at. And that's problematic for a number of reasons. It's Well, and that's consistent though. We'll talk about this at the end. It says that you can't even tell anybody that this agreement exists. Yeah. It's not just the, the, not just what's in the agreement, but you can't even say there is one. You know, the hard part is when we look at some of these provisions, you see other places that these are used. And so when you look at something like this and say, actually something like this is generally used in situations where there's a cover-up of sexual assault or, you know, the idea that you can't tell someone that something exists and that you can't disparage anybody and you can't talk about these things. Those are like classic plays from Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I was going to say that. I saw that in that movie she said. I mean, that tells you something, you know, there's other things here that are used in Scientology. It's when you look at it as a whole and you look at the environment in which it was brought into play, the circumstances of looking at it, not being able to take to a lawyer, you know, how you sign it, you know, there, you know, is a potential issue that this is really an unconscionable contract or that it was signed under duress. And that you, when you do a contract, you're supposed to have something in exchange and theoretically have equal power to negotiate. It's a contract of adhesion if you don't have equal power. Clearly, these employees have little to no power to negotiate these terms. So the only thing that they're saying, well, you get to continue to work here if you sign this. The job market is not incredibly strong right now. The idea that either I'm going to waive all of these rights, a massive amount of rights 
that continue after my employment. Yeah. The restrictions continue after you leave, you know, some of them for a year, but a lot of them for eternity. Yeah. There's no end Um, date listed for some of these things we are aware of. The setup of how these things are being explained, our understanding is basically everything about your employment is confidential, which is not true. I'm not sure if they are real specific on what is intellectual property or if they actually wanted to be super specific. I think that is an interesting thing about this this policy is, is it could be there assuming people will have a fear of doing things because they won't, don't want to cross the line and they will remember that it was more restrictive than they actually said. Works for hire. That is a pretty typical clause in, in an employment contract. That's probably the most normal provision that I would expect to see is something related to works for hire, but even backing up, The setup for this is like, we're depending on you to protect our business. What happened to this being God's business, which is what Dave used to say, or that we don't have fear. So, you know, later it talks about following the core values. And I'd be like, well, one of those is fear not. So if I was following the core values, I wouldn't fear the fact that these things are risking the business. If telling the truth is risking the business, You've got a truth problem, not a business problem. You know, the question is though, too, is that does this create an employment contract? So Dave is very fond of saying his employees are employees at will. So he can fire them if they have green eyes and then he doesn't like green eyes. But, you know, he's putting some pretty particular employment terms in here. Yeah. And, you know, does this create an employment contract? And these are across the board. You know, this applies to the, you know, administrative assistant. When a lot of these provisions would only be for people creating intellectual property or um, executives, some of these NDA provisions would be for executives. You know, that really makes it questionable too. And so what that suggests to me from all this, these issues related to the environment that the, and the tactics they've used to get this signed is that this is about control. This is about control and image management, you know, managing their image in the marketplace, you know, using silencing and binding their employees and controlling them to manage that image. It is not about truth mm-hmm. and it is definitely not about Jesus. Yeah. You know, I think there's a wide open door for potential challenges for this under the National Labor Relations Act. Um, for the EEOC to come in on some of this stuff because it's just problematic. The intellectual property vision is the least problematic provision, I would say. But going back to when we were talking about fear, you know, when you said that, you know, even if it doesn't prohibit something specifically, people may remember it differently and operate out of fear, this type of agreement and, and other practices at Ramsey Solutions create an environment of fear. So people will, will, even if legally they could do certain things, or even if this is legally not enforceable, that fear that exists in them. So this creates, I would say three types of fear, Mm -hmm. a legal fear. You have a fear of being sued after you leave the cost to defend yourself against a multimillionaire in your community. Um, lack of understanding of your legal rights. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm an attorney and I can't sit here and say, well, this is, you know, definitely enforceable or not. So if you don't have a full understanding and fear of challenging Dave in a community where he has a large influence and where these provisions say everything must happen. So there's a legal fear. There's a reputational fear and fear related to your career. You're more likely to stay at Ramsey because you fear trying to get a job because this restricts other jobs that you could get and who you could talk to about another job. So your options are limited. Yeah. And then the non-solicitation, it, it creates fear of even speaking to former employees. I mean, we already know that people who leave yeah. um, hardly ever are able to maintain relationships with people who stay there, which is a very prominent feature of cults and high control groups. So this, this creates additional fear related to your career and how you would continue working and, and limits your career options. And then it creates relational fear. You lose friends, you lose respect potentially in your community. Um, those friends are also networking. So all of these fear tactics are then used to keep yeah. people in 
and to, to separate people who are out and to keep people from doing anything that might impact the company, no matter what their legal rights are. Yeah. Um, or and that's just legal rights. No matter what Jesus would actually say is the right thing to do when dealing with your fellow believers. I'm imagining these employees, like around a around a thousand of them, they were told they were going to have this policy they need to look over and they need to sign from what we understand. They have to sign it by the end of the month or they don't get to work there anymore. And so um, by the time this podcast comes out, there will only be a couple more days left in the month. And people, most of the people reading it aren't lawyers. They don't really understand what their rights are. And like you said, there is this great fear. Many of them will be afraid to ask questions about it because even trying to understand it, even if you're asking, not because you have suspicion, just because you don't understand, I would imagine that would be really hard to do. It would be really hard to be like, what does this mean exactly? I'm not asking because I want to break rules. I'm just wanting to know what the rules are. And they may they they may be under the assumption, all oh, this is just really typical. They told us this is what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not even really thinking about it. They're just hoping for the best. And so it is a lot. So part of what we want to do is just talk, go a little deeper into some of the provisions, what you have seen and some of your concerns. And it's not always that these are illegal. There are lots of things that are legal that aren't necessarily things that as followers of Jesus running a Christian organization should be doing. Not everything that is the wrong thing to do is illegal. Let's move to one of the the non-disparagement language. People get confused about disparagement and they think that it's slander or libel. And there is a difference. Yes. So, so slander and libel are forms of defamation. And there is a cause of action for defamation. Those are false statements. So Dave Ramsey slandered me right from stage. He made false statements about my actions, false impressions about me as a person, um, about things that happened. So that is defamation. And there's already a cause of action for that. Melissa uses the term cause of action here. And I wanted to define that for those of you who aren't sure what that means. Cause of action, according to the online legal dictionary, is the fact or combination of facts that gives a person the right to seek judicial redress or relief against another. Also, the legal theory forming the basis of a lawsuit. In other words, cause of action means something happened that gives you the ability to file a lawsuit against someone else. Disparagement is different. It can be absolutely true. I mean, there's certain legal language. If it um, makes someone look bad, essentially, but it's very nebulous saying you can't disparage someone. So this expands what you can't do. So you can't say true things about- If it might possibly reflect poorly on them. Right. And it also extends the statute of limitations. So the statute of limitations, and one of the reasons I couldn't sue Dave Ramsey for slander was the statute of limitations for defamation in Tennessee is six months. Mm-hmm. So um, I was still in deep trauma and it took me a long time to find out what was actually said. Um, and you only have six months, whereas creating a contract means there's six years. So they now have six years to try to go after someone who says something bad about them. So that's significant and it expands the parties. So it's not just, you can't disparage the company. It's okay. Like, so the six year thing is Ramsey. If Ramsey hears that they believe you have disparaged them and you did it five years ago, they can still go after you because yes. it is less than six years. Yes. Because this is a contract and this is significant for people who feel bound by this. There has to be damages. So that's another aspect, you know, people can sue people for anything. And that, and that's some of the fear environment that, that Dave has created because he's a millionaire and, you know, he wants to go after people. And so people are like, I can't defend myself. We believe our understanding is this policy. If you sign it says you are not allowed to disparage the company, the owners, the family members, employees, their products, um, oh, things so- that they create. 
What if five years after you leave, you say, somebody says, hey, what, what financial software you use? You say, well, I use YNAB. I didn't really like how, you know, every dollar worked. Yeah. Technically, that might fall under here. That's bonkers. I want to clarify though, say you disparage, even though you signed the thing, Ramsey's like, you said you liked YNAB and that you did not like every dollar. I'm going to sue you. What you're saying is if they can't prove specific damages, they would have to prove damages. So it's not like, oh yeah, you, the judge says, or whomever it is, we'll get to that later. You get in trouble because you disparage Uh, them. No, they have damages. You're in trouble. Ramsey would have to prove that your statement cost them something. It's not just that can see you for whatever. So like, what if you shared a media article that said something true, absolutely true or one of the previous articles that we've been quoted in that reflected negatively on them? Or what if you share Dave's letter that he wrote, he or the company wrote in response to Bob Smetana? And it was their own words, because I would say Dave reflects poorly on the company and on himself. And, and, you know, so what's interesting is, you know, if this provision talks about to the maximum extent permitted by the law, people don't know what that means because they don't know that they actually have protected rights to speak out about a multitude of issues. Um, Specifically, Tennessee has laws related to sexual harassment Mm -hmm. um, or illegal activities. So if you worked there and you were sexually harassed, this came out of the, you know, of course, Dave calls it me to hell as if it was a bad thing that women spoke about, like being, you know, sexually assaulted, you know, you are legally allowed. This cannot restrict your right to speak up about sexual harassment, about the illegal activities, about, so there's also provisions in the National Labor Relations Act related to wages, conditions of employment, benefits. So you have a protected right to be able to talk with your coworkers about your wages and your employment conditions. Yes. They would call that gossip if you were saying it's a thing that was negative. It's not. It's, um, and in fact, it's, it's, um, it's protected protected by the National Labor Relations Act. It tells you something by the fact that Dave said in one of the speeches, I think that you've publicized that when someone made a complaint to OSHA about them not following the guidelines related to COVID, um, that was protected speech. And Dave said he would fire somebody. If he said, if I know who that person is, I would fire them. Yeah. would likely be a violation of, you know, different areas of law. Like if a union decided to come in to Ramsey, he would have a, a very eye-opening world about the things that he can't do to people who are seeking to, you know, organize labor to deal with their conditions of employment. Um, you know, there are laws about these things that employers yeah. are expected to follow, but, you know, he, he seems to think it doesn't apply to him. But it, it does. And people have rights to speak about certain things. Is there an expiration on the non-disparagement wording that we are aware of? Not that we know of, which is, again, this is so far overreaching Yeah, that every employee who works there, this is not, you know, executives, um, limited to executives or board members or people who, you know, are in positions of influence. This goes down to the janitor, uh, the administrative assistant for the rest of their life. If Jesus were sitting right here, do we think he would be okay for a believer to tell these people that they have control and influence over? You can never say anything bad about me for the rest of your life. I don't care if I murdered someone. I don't care if I sexually harassed a bunch of female employees. I don't care if I, you know, covered for my buddy over here. That's abusive. You can never say anything bad about me. That is not consistent with the Bible that I read. No, it's not. And I just want to clarify for people, uh, pretty much any, anybody I've ever talked to that has ended up signing something that restricted their ability to speak whatever they called that policy, whether they called it a non-disparagement clause or a policy or a severance agreement, whatever it was called, pretty much everybody I have talked to regrets that they had to sign it. They felt like they did not have a choice. 
many, if they could go back, they would not sign it. But I also want to clarify that signing it doesn't make you a criminal if you were to break it. This is not a criminal act. If you were to sign it and then you're like, you see something that really alarms you and that you feel like needs to see the light going and being a, a source to a journalist doesn't mean you're, you're a criminal. Right. Yeah. Or the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak out. I mean, raise your hand if you know multiple people who have broken non-disparagement and non-disclosure agreements. The Holy Spirit may call you to speak about something. And the fact that your employer or former employer has has decided to put into place something that I would argue is, you know, potentially not legal in many yeah. respects and certainly not consistent with followers of Jesus. You may, you'd have to prove damages. People break NDAs all the time. Often they do it with their, their identity hidden. If they're working with a journalist, we we've seen that even recently, somebody had been under an NDA from Ramsey Solutions. They spoke to a journalist and because the journalist was able to verify that it actually happened, they were able to run an article without using their name. So they protected that person, but they were able to confirm that this actually happened. And this person isn't going to jail. You could throw a rock and hit five experts who would tell you that the use of non-disclosure agreements and non-disparagement agreements in Christian spheres is wrong. Yeah. Every expert who deals with abuse and high control groups um, in Christian spheres agree that this kind of provision is not right. Um, there's a multitude of articles about it. I wrote an article on Medium asking churches to stop using NDAs, including non-disclosure and non-disparagement. And I cited article after article after podcast where experts um, in the Christian world have said that this is not consistent with what God calls us to do as believers. I wanted to clarify some of that. So I think that is, that is helpful. Cause I think if somebody signs it, they're going to think, well, it's too late now. Sometimes it is the moral and ethical and spiritual thing to speak out. And I think the Bible is clear about that, not to have fear of man. After we recorded this podcast, the National Labor Relations Board decided the McLaren-McComb case that may impact employee rights under the provisions proposed by Ramsey, specifically the non-disparagement clause, the confidentiality clause, and possibly others. The board ruled that these provisions may violate the National Labor Relations Act because they would reasonably tend to coerce employees from filing an unfair labor practice charge or assisting a board investigation. Specifically, the case opinion stated, quote, discussing terms and conditions of employment with coworkers lies at the heart of protected Section 7 of the NLRA activity. Section 7 rights are not limited to discussions with coworkers as they do not depend on the existence of an employment relationship between the employee and the employer, and the board has repeatedly affirmed that such rights extend to former employees. It is further long established that Section 7 protections extend to employee efforts to improve terms and conditions of employment or otherwise improve their lot as employees through channels outside of the immediate employer-employee relationship. These channels include administrative, judicial, legislative, and political forums, newspapers, the media, social media, and communications to the public that are part of and related to an ongoing labor dispute, unquote. What is an ongoing labor dispute? It is broad and includes, quote, any controversy concerning terms, tenure, or conditions of employment, unquote. Although the case was in the context of severance agreement, also a situation commonly done at Ramsey, the board specifically noted that the provision purported to prohibit disparagement, require confidentiality of the agreement and its terms, applied to statements about more than just the company, and was unlimited in time, all factors similar to the Ramsey provisions. The decision may also bode well for former employees of Ramsey Solutions who signed severance agreements that included non-disparagement and confidentiality clauses in order to receive severance payments. The board further noted, quote, 
the confidentiality provision would also prohibit the subject employee from discussing the terms of the severance agreement with his former co-workers who could find themselves in a similar predicament facing the decision whether to accept a severance agreement. In this manner, the confidentiality provision impairs the rights of the subject employee's former co-workers to call upon him for support in comparable circumstances. A severance agreement is unlawful if it precludes an employee from assisting co-workers with workplace issues concerning their employer and from communicating with others, including a union and the board, about his employment. Unquote. Now for a quick break. I'm not sure what your impression is of counseling. Maybe it sounds scary to you. I used to have this idea that counselors would be able to read my mind and all of the things I didn't want anyone to know about would suddenly be revealed. And then I started going to a counselor and experienced what it was really like. Guess what? I got to decide what I was ready to talk about with my counselor. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, faithful counseling makes it so easy to get started. You can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon, but it is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled, fill out a questionnaire, and you will be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. The next thing in this that we want to talk about is core values, right? Is that a core value? According to our understanding, they they mentioned something about the core values in this. Now, this is fascinating because, you know, if you've seen the printout of the core values that's been part of the discovery in some of the legal cases, they're not really that clear. Specifically, if you look at like the righteous living core value, yeah. it talks about righteous living. It's talking about having integrity all the time. They seem to really pinpoint sex as the the primary thing in the righteous living versus, you know, having integrity all the time as being the same person all the time, Yeah, which would seem to be, you are the same person in private that you are in public. And that, you know, integrity would also say that you don't lie to people. I can count a bunch of, you know, righteous living violations that Dave Ramsey has committed that we have on tape. Yeah. And, you know, bullying and lying and, you know, slandering and different things. So it's really unclear. What exactly do you mean by that? And I mean, nobody is perfect. What gets you fired and what doesn't? Is this really all just about sex and Ramsey wanting to? Yeah. So in clarifying any of the core values, is that the only thing that we believe was clarified was about sex and Well, I mean, you know, one of their core, core values, I think doesn't one relate to gossip. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. Dave Ramsey gossiped about me. They consider gossip to be something that doesn't really comport with what the Bible says. Gossip is generally considered either false information or information that to make you feel self-important. So let's say you're trying to process something really unhealthy that happened at work and you want to, in a normal, healthy company, you could talk to your coworker about it. Yes. Yeah. And that wouldn't be a problem. That's not actually gossip, but Ramsey would consider that gossip. So notice it's like things that Ramsey considers inconsistent with the core values. So not what a reasonable person would, mm-hmm. and how would you know in a lot of these, you don't know and shouldn't know other cases of discipline. So how would you know what they consider inconsistent? Yeah. And asking for clarification might put you on a naughty list. Yes, it almost certainly will put you on the naughty list. Well, let's go to non-solicitation of customers, which again, that is one of the more typical provisions that you might see in a company. Yeah. It would tend to be the people who interact with customers, like if you're in the sales role versus like the administrative assistant. Um, How do you know who the customers are? I think, you know, this potentially really limits people from having outside gigs 
like a side job if they're trying to be gazelle intense and paying off their debt, which is a really common thing. When when my husband was working there, it was very common for people to have side jobs to help, you know, pay down their mortgage or whatever their right. debts that they had. And and if you have a side gig, it tends to be in an area in which you have expertise. So um, if you can't really do that, or I mean, it depends on that. This is really gets into the nitty gritty of the language, which we don't have specifically, but to divert, you know, customers away. So again, can you not even say you use a different product because that might divert customers away? And this is one that is time limited for one year after employment because non-competes and non-solicitations and provisions like that, it's pretty established law that those need to be limited in time and, and generally geographic scope and things like that. Is it our understanding that there's wording about a non, non-compete? I think that would be really confusing because of the different areas in which Ramsey works. Would their competition be anybody else in media or just in Christian media? Would it be, well, yeah. would it be finance related specifically, or would it be career related? Because, you know, Ken Coleman talks about career. Would it be business related because they did the business boutique? Like, like, what do they consider? Would it be if you ever created a left and created a podcast, would that be competing mm-hmm. with them? Well, and they used to be a financial company. The most recent things I've seen couches them as a media company. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, someone leaving and doing basically anything, soliciting and providing services to customers, it gets into the nitty gritty. I mean, that is an issue that brings up is like, how do you know what's competitive? And that's where I would be Um, like, am I going to be in trouble for saying I really prefer YNAB to every dollar? That's not disparagement. It's my opinion, but it also is in direct competition to every dollar. And, you know, given that, you know, there is a long established history of people reporting back to the company, including people that don't even work there, former employees, like this whole environment of snitching on people is very high control group cult kind of atmosphere to go back and, and, and tell and send screenshots of people's social media posts and, and tell people and get them fired. I mean, so so it's not just like, I can't make a big post that says, hey, I use YNAB. What if you tell your neighbor and that person reports you? I mean, yeah. this whole environment is is a is crazy town. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it's some, they could have been more specific about it, about what that actually means. But it feels like a real specific decision not to be real specific. And that works even better for them in an environment of fear. So if, if it's unclear, then your own fear, like keeps you from doing way more than you potentially legally would have the right to do. Yeah. And say to be unclear is to be unkind. He quotes some famous person who said that, and I've heard him say that on more than one occasion, this is very unclear. And, and it's even more so when you get into the non-solicitation and non-hire of employees. First of all, let me preface this with, you know, talk about a provision that is a provision related to fear and a provision that is not family friendly. Um, This is not supportive of people's careers or needs or needs to earn money or support their family. The core thing operating here is fear and control. I just want to say, so it's our understanding that there's wording in this policy that re- that is about solicitation as it relates to hiring current employees and former or former employees. Is that our understanding? Yeah. Yes. So you can't solicit, you know, we understand solicit or help anyone else solicit current employees or former employees fellow employees during your term when you work there even yes so if you sign this you can't help somebody get a job somewhere else yeah what if they're just wanting to get a job for extra money they still work at ramsey and they want 
you to recommend them. They're like, hey, do you know of any places I could work to get extra money to, you know, pay off my debt? Well, this is this, we believe this is restricted, like you said, in any way competes with Ramsey Solutions. Okay. But again, we go back to that. Well, how, how do we know what that is? Who who competes? If if you are, say, a developer and you go to work for another company where a developer might work, is that competitive? Is that what if they're not a media company? But what if they make books? Like Ramsey makes books. You know, I mean, it's so hard to know. I mean, you look at your situation. We know, you know, this appears to be, you know, related to, you know, we know a lot of people left and people have ended up going to some of the same places. Yeah. And people, like you've got a bunch of people at this place and a bunch of people that used to be at Ramsey at another place because you go somewhere new and, and you know that that person is a good, good worker and how smart they're, I mean, this is how networking works. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they are now saying, we're going to prevent you from doing this for a, a year after employment, there's some not great drafting in here in terms of, you know, anyone else who was an employee while you were an employee, like, is that still only within that year or what if five years down the road, yeah. you know, there's some unclearness there. This is not friendly to employees at all. Yeah. I want to ask a question to clarify. So say I signed this agreement. I left Ramsey. I'm working somewhere. I'm sure I'm really happy. Somebody who currently works at Ramsey reaches out to me and says, Hey, is your business hiring? Cause I'm looking at different options. Like I did not reach out to them. Now I'm going to be afraid to say, to answer that question. What do you like? Am I restricted from saying that there are openings? That is unclear. It is unclear. And one of the ways that this is effective is creating that fear and legal uncertainty. So then an entire sphere of people that you might otherwise network with, you've now lost. I mean, especially if you've worked there a long time, like that's why I was saying that people are more likely to stay and they're going to retain these people who, because they're fearful and they, their options are now limited based on their entire networking capability. So what if, what if you applied at a company that had other Ramsey, former Ramsey Solutions employees, and you applied there, not even connecting with them and got hired, you know, I think, you know, there is, you know, a fear then again, you feel like you've got to be covert because you're going to get in trouble yeah. Um, because look at what happened to, to you guys. These yeah. people ended up there, not even necessarily straight out of Ramsey Solutions and not even necessarily connecting with each other. And they got a call from this the now CTO of Ramsey trying to basically get them fired. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, and so this is, you know, basically like we don't want to, to lose more employees. So this to me shows a fear that they're losing employees. And this is how they're doing it. So now they're drafting a provision to try to prevent that. But this is, um, yeah, if I work there still, I, if I signed it, I would feel like I couldn't even reach out looking for a job to anybody I knew. And it doesn't say you can't look for a job, but you might assume that you can't reach out to your friends that used to work there, but that's not in there. I would not recommend going and asking for clarification on that. And I sit here and go, so what's the, what's the remedy there? I mean, it creates the fear. So one of the things I've learned to do related to um, fear cycles Mm -hmm. in, in my brain is one, identifying, Hey, I'm feeling fear. And two, what am I feeling fear about? And let's play this out. What if I went ahead and did the thing? Yeah. What's the worst that could happen and leaned into the fear? What would happen? So So the thing is here, what happens? So what if you do that? What if you hire that employee? What happens? The CTO might go to your company and say terrible things. And try to get you fired. Yeah. And try to, if they have any sort of relationship, leverage that to intimidate you. And that operating, that fear that exists, especially in Williamson County of Dave Ramsey, hopefully that's being dispelled now that that things are being brought into light. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is so other people can also see what is happening there and what people are operating under. And so, you know, again, I'm I'm outside of the fear zone with this anymore. I like that outside of the fear zone. I think one of the last and most confusing things people won't have 
most people have never had any experiences with is wording about arbitration and rights. If you decide you have some sort of legal issue, some cause to bring it up through a lawsuit or something, this is changing what you are agreeing to be restricted to do and how you can respond to that. Forced arbitration, right? And this changes the landscape. And it's really clear in these provisions that this is designed to prevent a situation like the O'Connor case that's happening now. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's, it's very clear. I mean, it gets very detailed and it's basically like somebody sat down and said, okay, what is happening in the O'Connor case that is not good for us? And how do we prevent anybody else from ever doing that again? And let's craft all these provisions. Now, that's probably a lawyer. I certainly hope it's not a lawyer that I ever practiced with, but I have a sneaking suspicion it is. It grieves me a lot that, um, you know, again, this is another area where we're binding and silencing people. um, And that is not something that's done in the name of G. I mean, they're they're doing it with a cloak of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I've said, you know, if they would just take Jesus off their brand, I wouldn't be nearly as upset. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some of the things they've done are still, they're still egregiously wrong. Like trying to call in somebody's employer, trying to get them fired, lying about somebody from stage, you know, intimidating and bullying people still very wrong. Yeah. But when you put Jesus name on that, um, that's where I, I can no longer like stay silent because yeah. that's the Jesus I love too. And these are people that I care about too. And so when you go into this and say, well, now here's the ways we're going to control you mm-hmm. about any claim you have, um, which I'd argue there's some yeah. legally problematic things. So what are the here? restrictions that are in there? So what is there at, regarding arbitration and what are your concerns? So what are they what yeah. are they asking of the person who signs? If you sign it, what are you agreeing to? Well, first it's talking about you should take any dispute to your leader. But you know, the reality is we don't have to do that. Especially, you know, when we know how some of these departments are operating and what is happening there. And it says if your problems with your leader, you can go to HR. Well, as we saw from the emails in the O'Connor case, yeah, there is no separation. You know, there there's not the traditional functions that happen at traditional companies in terms of like this is the lane that this operates in. You know, if you're going to then go to HR, like these emails were HR and Dave and this committee and other board members, and who feels safe to do that? If you're being sexually harassed by your boss. Or let's say you've been raped at the company. Mm-hmm. Right? Or by based on the company. Yeah. And, and based on what happened to me alone and how I was treated, um, and I had, you know, people there, people that were respected, that people there knew, that, you know, confirmed everything. I had a mountain of evidence at home. I had just based on that, I would never come forward to leadership about not only was it not safe, it was incredibly traumatic. And so the idea that they're expecting people to do this, and we've heard that from other people who have, who have left there. So, and then it says, you know, you, you resolve it internally, or you go to arbitration in Williamson County. So everything is very centralized to Williamson County, which is the area in which Dave Ramsey has the most influence Mm -hmm. and the most network. I mean, you'll see him at everybody's, you know, book party and and politicking and, you know, all of these things. Um, His attorneys have influence and connections here. You're also waiving your rights to participate in any class action, which is important. Then it gets even more detailed. And this is how we know it is directed towards things that have happened in the O'Connell case. (laughs) And it gets into how discovery is conducted. Yeah. And, you know, the things, let's talk about the things that they fought in these cases are the amount of discovery and what came out and Dave being deposed. Yeah. And so this specifically talks about there will only be you know, a certain number of discovery 
requests and only a designated person. So it seeks to prevent any of that from ever happening again. This is a cloak of darkness. It is so thick and heavy. I read it and I just, I don't even know what to say. I, I have to be honest. I read this and just, I wanted to cry for anybody whoever finds themselves in a situation where something wrong has happened to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard it said before, oh, this is a Christian environment. Wrong things don't happen. And we know that better than anyone. You know, if you, you can't say that if you believe in the Bible, because everyone is a sinner and, you know, it specifically talks in different places that our job God will deal with the outsiders. Yeah. Our job is to deal with people in the Christian community who are doing these things or wolves in sheep's clothing. This happens. Yeah. And, you know, closing our eyes to it and and making sure that people can't uh, enforce their rights, can't speak out, can't, you know, deal with uh, claims for, you know, problematic behavior or illegal behavior. Yeah. In a way that is appropriate. Yeah. And this is, this very much restricts the way somebody could do that. I think Ramsey might argue, we're not saying you can't, we're saying these are the parameters under which it can happen. And if people don't know what arbitration is, what is that? What's the difference between arbitration and me just like suing somebody through a regular legal process? Tell me about who is in charge of that and, and, and what our understanding is with the Ramsey situation. So an arbitrator um, is an individual generally. I mean, there can be like arbitration panels, but generally it's an individual. And in here they say Ramsey Solutions, you know, gets to pick or, you know, suggest and you get to pick, which that's not uncommon. But generally, a lot of times arbitration agreements are with people of equal power or Mm -hmm. businesses. Like this is not a situation where people have equal power. Right. This, you know, this is a take it or leave it contract. These are people who are already sitting in an environment of fear and being manipulated based on their faith that somehow, you know, Jesus would want them to, to do this kind of stuff. So this person then decides it's traditionally, you would expect an arbitrator to be less friendly to employees or less sympathetic to employees. Um, and it, it is a pro employer pro business, um, which is why generally it's in in business contracts, not for the administrative assistant who is fired because she was pregnant and, you know, refused to have an abortion. So she wouldn't be found out. And this says too, that even if it ends up in some kind of court, that it has to be in Williamson County, which again, we talked about that sphere of influence and that you also waive a right to a trial by jury. So that is a foundational um, principle in the United States to have a jury of your peers, a jury of your peers. And so what it means to waive a right to trial by jury is that it's a trial by the judge only. Yeah. And so the judge decides those claims. And, you know, that's again, when you only have one person, yeah. um, you only have to convince one person. You only have to bribe one person. Yeah. There's only one person. Whereas a jury That's, you know, that's supposed to be your peers who look at your case and this, you know, waives that right to trial. And then as we talked about, this purports to say, this is all confidential. You can't even tell anybody about this agreement. Yeah. Not just the arbitration Um, part, but like here, now that you've read this, like, just so you know, you can't even tell anybody this agreement exists, let alone what's inside of it. Yeah. Which is, again, that's straight out of Harvey Weinstein's playbook when someone is attempting so hard to keep something in the dark, you need to ask yourself why. If they are proud of this and what they're doing is on the up and up, why can't, why can't they even tell people that they have signed this thing, that this thing exists? Yeah. There was a time, you know, during all of this, again, I don't purport to be a perfect person, but one of the things that I've said is if you had to walk around with a video camera following you, let's live in such a way Again, to me, that's a life of integrity. Live in such a way where a video camera could follow you around and not that you wouldn't be perfect, but you would be willing to answer 
for whatever you've said and whatever you've done. And that camera would show the same person in private as you are in public and, you know, that accountability factor. So apply that here, you know, this needs to be in the light and, you know, I'm thankful there are people that see how problematic this is. I pray for the people still there who have signed it um, because it just grieves me. I, I have to believe it grieves the heart of Jesus too, to, to, for this to be purportedly done in his name. It sure does. What would you say to somebody who is trying to figure out if they should sign it? I don't want to give legal advice. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is pray. Mm-hmm. Like the Holy Spirit will give you guidance. Yeah. And like I said, I prayed a lot this morning just to about things to say. If people are listening, then I'm glad they've listened. Um, mm-hmm. Educate themselves. A good idea would be to take it to a lawyer. And if you're not able to do that, ask yourself why. Yeah. Ask yourself why. Ask questions. You know what Jesus did? He asked lots of questions. People accused him of things and said different things. And he would often respond with a question. So that is a great place to start is to ask questions and ask yourself questions and ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. If somebody is brave enough to talk with a, a lawyer, say they're able to somehow you know, have a way to share with an attorney, the wording that is in this policy, uh, is this going to be like a overwhelmingly expensive conversation to have? What's your understanding of how, how that might work? A lot of lawyers will give a free consultation for a short period of time. Um, I know that there are people that would, I've seen on Twitter and other places would help fund somebody to speak to a lawyer. Um, you know, I think it is important. I, I believe in the public nature of the courts. I believe in the openness of us as believers and, you know, things should not be in the dark. So I'm sure that there are people that would support and help someone, um, who wants to live in the light and talk with a lawyer and understand their rights. Yeah. And I think the most important thing here is that you really understand what you're getting into um, by signing and understand that there are some inferences that you might be making that Ramsey is hoping you make that they haven't said in that agreement that you end up policing yourself more than they legally would have been able to or that they put in there because for some reason or other, it's possible that they hoped people would assume it was more restrictive than it was. I'm not saying it's not restrictive. It is ridiculously restrictive in some ways. Yeah. It's just really, really sad. And I know it's a really scary thing for people. And even if you've already signed it, you know, there is a benefit in understanding your legal rights. Exactly. And, you know, it's not the end of the world because, you know, I have serious reservations about the enforceability of the thing as a whole and specific provisions in particular. And I certainly have spiritual uh, reservations about the entire thing. I I mean, I can say that affirmatively. I don't, I don't think this anyway comports with how a a supposed Christian company should operate. And again, there are, there's a, a numerous sources that talk about these kinds of provisions. Uh, if you want to educate yourself more and then educate yourself also on the, the faith aspect of, of why these are problematic. I asked my own lawyer his thoughts and he said that it's gross. It's gross. It is. It's problematic. It's grievous. It, um, you know, one of the only things that I see as a benefit here are two things really are that you show who you are. You show who you are when you do certain actions, much less try to keep those actions in the dark. So the fact that this is being done provides more evidence of what's actually happening there and the kind of environment that exists for these employees and the fact that they're trying to keep it in the dark. And the only other thing is this may prompt some people to to get out yeah. who who already see 
how problematic and inconsistent with a faith walk that this is. I still have that heavy feeling weighing on me as I wrap up the edits on this podcast. I'm holding a lot of concern and empathy for those struggling with what to do in this situation. And I'll echo what Melissa said. Pray for clarity. Talk to an attorney if you can. And then make the best decision you can make, given your own circumstances. Only you know what that is. There's no shame in signing this or not signing this. And there is certainly no shame in reaching out to someone to help you get clarity. If you know of anyone that you think would benefit from listening to this conversation, it would mean so much if you would share this with them. You can find the show notes in the app where you play this podcast or by going to untangledfaithpodcast.com and clicking on episodes. That's also where you can find a transcript of this podcast. I don't always have transcripts, but for this one, I do. If you're on social media, I would love to keep this conversation going over on Twitter or Instagram or through the Facebook page. I'm Untangled Faith on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm Faith Untangled on Twitter. The Untangled Faith podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amy Fritz. This podcast is made possible by the support of my Patreon community. A special thanks to producers Michelle Pionic, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsyth, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.